this morning, we, we've heard um, quite a passage that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. And uh, you might be out there thinking, oh no, here comes a real thumper. Paul is talking about all those put off and put on and all these things. But this morning, I don't want to bash you over the head with the Bible. I don't want to uh, try to knock any sense into you with the Word of God. I'll let him take care of that part. Um, but this morning, I want to think about, um, well, we'll get there. I, I want to start off by thinking about some stories that we love. Stories um, that are popular in our culture. Stories along the lines of Cinderella, the servant girl who became a princess. Or, you know, the Star Wars stories where Luke Skywalker goes from being just a farm boy to becoming one of those Jedi Knights. Or a superhero movie. My boys love superheroes these days. You know, the boys are... 10 through, we've got one turn in five on Wednesday. So uh, they love superheroes. But when you think about a superhero story, you've got something that happens to somebody who's really not anybody special. But they become somebody. They become someone special. They become a superhero. Or uh, Beauty and the Beast, where a a curse has been placed on, on the prince and he becomes this beastly character. But then at the end of the story, he goes, he's transformed back into a prince. And there are some themes that run through all of these stories. You've, you have that main character, generally somebody who, who thinks they're pretty ordinary. They don't think they're anything special. But they have some kind of experience. Luke Skywalker meets Obi-Wan Kenobi. The, the fairy godmother comes to Cinderella. Uh, maybe you know the Harry Potter, Harry Potter stories. And one day he wakes up and gets a letter from an owl. These things happen. They have some kind of experience. And something changes in them. Something changes. Something happens. And they're no longer the same person. And these characters that used to be nobody, but are becoming somebody. They get caught up in a story that's bigger than the one that they've been living in. They get caught up in this story that's bigger than just themselves. And they realize in that story, they have a role to play. And they learn that there's something that they must do And then there's often somebody who comes alongside them. These are the themes that go through these stories. There's someone who comes alongside them to help them interpret what's happening, to help them see who they can be, to help them walk the journey that's unfolding before them. And I think there's a reason that we love these kinds of stories. There's a reason that they appeal to us and that they they tug at our hearts. And I think that reason is because there's stories of transformation. And these stories of transformation are echoes of the gospel. And as we hear these stories of transformation, we hear those echoes of the gospel, which is the greatest story we'll ever hear. It's also the story we all find ourselves in. 
But it's that same idea that when ordinary people encounter Jesus, they're transformed. They get called up. We get called up into a larger story, a story that's bigger than just ourselves, a story that's about more than just us. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. And he, he walks through the journey with us. He interprets what's happening around us so that we can understand. And hopefully there's also some other kind of physical person who comes alongside to disciple us along the way. But as people, we long for transformation. We long to be changed. We recognize that there are that things are not the way that they were meant to be. Things aren't the way they were supposed to be. And we feel deep inside us that we're meant for something more than just mundane life. Cinderella had a sense that she was meant for something more than dusting up the ashes. Luke Skywalker had this hope somewhere deep inside him that, that there was something more than being a water farmer on a desert planet. How boring does that sound? But there's, there's this longing deep inside us for transformation. And I think this is what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church about. He's telling them, because of your encounter with Christ, you've got to put off the old self. All these things. He, he gives a whole list of stuff. There, there's slander in there, there's malice, there's stealing, there's, I, don't, I can't even remember them all. But there's all these things that Paul says, you've got to put them off. That's part of your old life. That's part of your old self. But then you have to put on the new self. The, the self that Christ can, get, can give to you. And Paul gets pretty specific about what that transformation can look like. Don't do this any longer, but do this instead. But I think if that kind of transformation is going to take place in our lives, and if we're going to experience that kind of transformation, that kind of change in our lives, which is what we're all called to in the gospel, this is the hope we have, that, that we're not just left in our own old self. We're not just left to, to try and struggle through things on our own. There's the hope of transformation. But there's a few things, I think, that need to happen if that transformation is going to happen as fully and completely as Christ intends for it to happen in our lives. Now, this process is going to look different for everyone. It's not just a one, two, three, or you know, do A, then B, then C, or if you do X, then Y is certain to happen. It's going to look different for all of us. For, for some, it happens all at once, and they go from, you know, that old self, that old life, and they put on that new life and in Christ, and their life never looks the same again. But for others, it's more gradual. For others, it, it's more of a journey, and, and they make a decision for Christ, but then they have to grow into it. And they have to grow into the work that God is doing. And their lives look different as well. Just like the ones that change in a minute. But sometimes it happens over time. And I think if you're like me. And maybe you grew up in the church. 
maybe that looks more like your story. It looks more like mine. I grew up in church every Sunday. I had 13 years of perfect attendance by the time I graduated from high school, from Sunday school. I had all the pins. Um, And so sometimes the transformation looks a little more gradual as we grow into our understanding of the work of Christ and what he's done for us. But I think there are some things that have to happen somewhere along the way. And the first thing that needs to happen is we have to take off our mask. Have any of you ever dressed up for a costume party or for Halloween or something? You put on a mask, right? And why do we put on a a mask? Because we want to disguise ourselves. We want to put on a different persona. We want to cover up who we really are. How many of you walked in to the service this morning wearing a mask? Maybe not a literal mask, but we all do it probably more often than we realize, or maybe more often than we want to admit. I'm not talking about one of those real masks. Not a mask that's designed to cover up or disguise our identity. I'm talking about the masks we put on to protect ourselves. The masks that hide our vulnerability or our pain. We put on masks sometimes that say, my marriage is fine. My marriage isn't falling apart. Everything's fine. We put on a mask. We put on masks that say, we're fine. We're not waiting on, we're not scared about the, the test results that might be cancer. We put on a mask. Everything's fine. We, we put on a mask and say, oh, oh no, 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 we're, we're not dealing with addictions in my family. We're just fine. And we put on a mask. But these masks, they put on a barrier. They put up a barrier between us and other people. They put up a barrier between us and God. They put up a barrier between us and ourselves because when we put these masks on, we're lying. We're lying to our friends, we're lying to ourselves, and we're lying to God. We won't admit that there are things that need changing in our lives, things that need to be fixed, things that need transforming. And until we get to that point where we're willing to take off that mask, and we're willing to get real with ourselves and with others, that transformation's not going to come like Jesus wants it to come. When we won't take off those masks, we can't see the things in us that need to change. We won't let ourselves. And if we won't see what needs to be changed, we can't let Christ transform it. And so we've got to take off the mask, realizing that none of us are perfect, not even your pastor. You surely know that by now. None of us are perfect. And we need to open ourselves up to others as we really are. And I get it. It's hard. We want to be liked. We don't want to be the broken one. We don't want to be the one that says, I need help in this area. I'd like to talk to a Stephen minister. Pastor, do you have time to talk to me about this struggle going on in my life or my family? We don't want to be those people. We want to have it all together. 
We want to have things put together. But we have got to take off those masks and allow Jesus to perfect our weakness. In another letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he put it this way. As he was talking about the weakness he was realizing in his own life. And Paul writes, he said, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't like boasting in my weakness. I don't even like feeling weak. I don't like admitting that I need help. But when I do, Christ is faithful. And when I do, he comes and he can perfect that which concerns us. He can come and in our weakness, it's when his strength can shine through. But we've got to take off the mask. And once we're willing to take off that mask and get real with ourselves and with others and with God, we need to take a look in the mirror. And we need to get honest about what we see. Let me put it down in some real earthy language. Maybe, maybe it's a little too personal. But how many of you, you get out of the shower... I know, I already just got real personal. But you get out of the shower, you're drying off, and you stand there looking in the mirror, and you think, wow, I really like what I see. (laughs) Chances are, it's not most of us. It's not many of us, anyway. It's not me. I see, you know, if you're anything like me, you see the imperfections. You see, oh, I'm a little lumpy here. I've got that scar there. I've got funny tan lines from riding my motorcycle. And um, there are things we want to change. I want to change this. I want to change that. I wish this was different. But however, there, there are times when looking in the mirror, there are times when that self-evaluation can lead to some real positive change. Sometimes we, we, we look in that mirror and we say, you know what? I, I'm tired of this. I don't like it. We're confronted with what we don't like. And we have to make a choice. We can make a choice to change it. You know? I, I looked in the mirror not too long ago. I said, I still really need to le- lose that five or ten more pounds. I still need to work a little harder on that. I need to get back to running. I've been lazy about it. And sometimes when we're, we look in the mirror, we're confronted with something we don't like. We have to be honest about it. Is this something we can do something about? Or is this something I just have to accept? But we also have another choice to make, and, and that is, are we willing to do something about it? Because there are times where there's something we can do something about, and we know we can. But we're not willing to make that choice. We're not willing to do that work. And at the same time, you ever been to one of those fun houses where they've got the, the funny wavy mirrors and you know, it makes you look tall and skinny or it makes you look kind of short and round or makes you look all kinds of funny stuff? Satan loves to do that with our mirrors. 
And there are times he's going to come and, and he's going to distort what we see in those miracles. He's going to take what we don't like and he's going to make them look so exaggerated like those fun house mirrors make you look. And he's going to make us think that there's no hope that anything can ever be done about it. The book of James tells us that the word of God, though, is a true mirror. And in chapter 1, Paul, or James says, when you look at the mirror, don't just walk away and forget what you've seen, but let it shape you, let it change you, let it remind you. And so the word of God can be that true mirror that helps us to see ourselves honestly. Not as we'd like to see ourselves through the rose-colored glasses, but also not the distorted funhouse mirror that Satan wants to throw in front of us. Now, it could be far easier to point out the imperfections in others than it is to admit our own. But that's not what we're called to. And I think that idea of, of figuring out the, the imperfections in our lives, the things that still need to be changed, that's what Paul was talking about in his letter to the Philippians when he said, he told the Philippian church to work out their salvation. And for a long time, I struggled with that. How do you work out your salvation that God says he alone can accomplish? Aren't those two things antithetical to each other? Don't, aren't that, those ideas in tension with each other? But as I've grown, I think this is what Paul's talking about. Work out your salvation. Take an honest look at the things in your life that need to change. And be willing to admit it. Be willing to address it. And this, this isn't a once-and-done kind of thing. You're going to come to different points in your life, and you're going to need to look at the mirror again and deal with what you're seeing in that moment. It's a process. It happens over time. Sometimes it needs to be repeated. We have to take a hard look in the mirror, and we have to be honest about what we're seeing and what is staring right back at us. What needs to change? In Paul's language to the Ephesians, what needs to be put off? If we won't be honest with ourselves about what we see, how can we give it to Jesus or invite him in to change it and transform it? It's only after we get real and take off the mask and only after we take an honest look in the mirror that we can ask Jesus to come and give us the makeover we need. Now, maybe I just lost the whole room because the men are thinking, I don't want anybody giving me a makeup, a makeover. And you ladies are probably thinking, I'm not taking makeover advice from a guy who doesn't even know how to shave. But bear with me. It starts with an M, just like mask and mirror. So mask, mirror, makeover. Um, but Jesus is in the makeover business. He's all about transformation. He wants to grow you up. That's what he... That's what he's doing in our lives. He wants to grow us up. He can do in you what you can never do in yourself. But he doesn't force it on you. It's not about coercion. This is what the gospel is all about. Jesus died and rose again to renew creation. He says in Revelations, he comes to make all things new. It's interesting to me. He doesn't say, I want to make all new things. He says, I want to make all things new. 
This is why those stories we were talking about speak to us so deeply. They give us hope that transformation is possible. There's a famous quote that's attributed to G.K. Chesterton that puts it this way. Fairy tales don't tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. We already know we need transformation. But those stories, the gospel story, gives us hope that we can indeed be transformed. Because Jesus has defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. He can transform those things that we can't in ourselves. And so the question before us today is, do we want our faces transformed? into the face of Jesus? Do we want the makeover more than we want to hold on to that mask? If so, it takes being vulnerable and it takes getting real. Do we want the makeover more than we want to avoid dealing with the mirror? But we have to choose our hard. Choose your hard? What do you mean? We either have to deal with what we see and choose the hard that comes with that, or we have to choose the hard of continuing to struggle in denial. We've been talking all summer about growing the face of Trinity. And if we're going to grow the face of Trinity, it has to start with transforming the faces of the people of Trinity. It has to start with us. It has to start with me. But we as the church have to take off our masks and start being real with one another. We have to get honest with ourselves about the things we see in the mirror, and we have to ask Jesus to do the makeover for us. And sometimes that involves inviting someone else into it to walk the journey with us. We, we heard Adele read the words of Paul to the Ephesians from the NIV, but I want you to hear it from a translation called The Message, just a few words, a few verses. Take on, this is what Paul's saying to the Ephesians, and I think this is what we need to do. Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you transformed faces will we today let jesus transform our face so that he can shape his face into us